Hey, welcome to Dip and Jail, baby. A casual conversation with professional artists. I'm your host, Sid Williams. We're headed to the third floor to see Lauren Bergman in Studio 314. And we're going over. Florence Academy is to the left. There's a Fred Sandback sculpture exhibition to the right. And here we have it. We've arrived at Lauren Bergman Studio 314. Thank you, Lauren. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about your practice. Basically, I've been an exhibiting painter for like more than 20 years, since the mid-90s. Congratulations. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you go to school? I did. Well, I started taking art classes growing up at the Corcoran School of Art in Washington, D.C. I was in like a specialized high school program where we spent half the day doing art and academics half the day. I studied. I did a lot of art in college, but I had my son when I was 20, so I realized I was gonna have to make a living. And so I got an undergraduate degree, double major in art and education. And Where did you go to school? I went to UMass Amherst okay. and then to Smith. Okay, oh, cool. And are you from DC? I'm from DC. Okay, and when did you get to New York? I got to New York in the late 80s, 89. As a full and exhibiting painter? No, I was teaching a program that was art and literature at the Little Red Schoolhouse, which allowed me summers to paint, which was great. And then little by little built up painting practice and I had a lucky break at a gallery in Washington, D.C. in, I think it was 94, 95. The gallery was called Capricorn Gallery, and the owner was Philip Descent, who was a real force in American realism. Oh, cool. And That's perfect. He, yeah, he picked, you know, I was very young, very naive. And he took me on, and he was showing people like Sandra Freckleton, Burton Silverman, like major mm -hmm. American realists. So that was my first lucky break. Did you start showing in New York from that gallery? From Capricorn, mm -hmm. I started showing at O.K. Harris in okay. Soho. Okay. Which was <laughs> my next big break. Yeah. And we talked on a an earlier discussion about mentoring, and I never had a formal artist mentor, but I feel like the galleries I got into were very instrumental in helping me with a career. That's amazing. Not just using you and pushing you through. Well, very different. Yeah. Ivan Karp, who was the owner of OK Harris, was, um, you know, he was the first to show Warhol, Rauschenberg. Mm -hmm. He was major, major figure. And he 
was like the only gallerist who would look at your work. You could yeah. walk in off the street and he was open to a conversation. Cool. And how did you end up at MANA? I had been applying for spaces. I think it was through New York Foundation for the Arts. And someone contacted me about a space at MANA in the basement. Mm -hmm. And um, so I came out to look, and I was like, wow, this is incredible. Well, how long and ago was that? That was two years ago now. OK. What Little made, over two yeah, years ago. What made this place incredible to you? The physical space is amazing. The spaciousness, the size of the studios, though my first studio was very small. <laughs> um, the community being, it's like a hive of energy, mm -hmm. a lot going on, a lot yeah. to see. I think this and place inspired me to start this podcast on figuring out what the conversation is when there's such a big physical space right. and there's so many artists in it. I wanted to hear what each world had to spill out. If there was, if you could open the door and read the hallway almost, right, you right. know? Just like what was the stream yeah. of contemporary art in a building that is so much bigger than other artists' space? Because yes. it can be, because it's in Jersey City right. and there is space. Right. Um, do you think there is a conversation that is happening in the contemporary world that is the mainstream out of the industry of art? I'm definitely not in any mainstream mm -hmm. conversation. I think in my career, I have been in a stream, and then I guess it was to, you know, I showed in, in some very, you know, well-regarded galleries, and then basically reached a point where I was dropped by one gallery, and my other gallery went out of business. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was 2014, I was gallery-less, which really allowed me to reevaluate where I was at and what I wanted to do and, and just follow my voice. Yeah, sometimes that's and a gift. So now I'm, I'm not working with galleries, not the, and the whole gallery world has changed radically in the span of my career, which I hope I'm not too far. I hope it goes <laughs> a long way from here, but I'm definitely operating outside of the gallery Do you world. feel like you have more control over your voice being independent? Yes, absolutely, and I'm, I've also, my personal project has taken on a much larger life than I had ever imagined or hoped. Mm. Um, I'm now working with a foundation that, well, also, that's another great thing about being at MANA is someone came to my studio and hooked me up with this foundation that is now sponsoring my project, and I'm working with a composer, a videographer, and, and poets in creating a much broader voice. And you can go ahead, you can go into what this voice is because I think it's quite relevant. 
whether there is a mainstream conversation or not, I think we all feel the political climate and the polarization of nationalism, if right. I use that word, and how relevant your work is to socially charged rebellion, almost? It's not rebellion. Yeah, your work I see, is well, I see my work as the current cultural climate, something I can do. I was really shocked when the Charlottesville incident happened and there were white nationalists marching through the streets and the president said, well, there are fine people on both sides. It fundamentally changed my emotional landscape that it, you know, of course we've all heard about lynchings, we've heard about the Holocaust, but it was long ago and far away. Yeah. And here it was present in our current society and not being condemned. So I took on the idea of, well, I started thinking about when you allow hate to run rampant in a society, the ultimate conclusion is death of whoever is being victimized, whoever is other. And I thought about all the, all the people who had been eliminated. And my work has always been about the female narrative and exploring, you know, the, the female perspective within the context of uh, American culture. And I thought about all the lives that didn't get to unfold and the stories that didn't get to be told. So I wanted to set out to, to basically tell the story of hate through giving life to these images that didn't get to have their life, didn't get to tell a story. So I use historical photos that we look at these photos and, and experience horror, but I think by imagining them, imagining their inner world or imagining a more idyllic setting that it forces the viewer to realize that this was a whole person. This was, yeah. this was a life. This was someone who had it dreams wasn't a historical and hopes event. and aspirations yeah. that because of who they were, they were hated and killed. Mm -hmm. Ooh -wee. I think you're very, <laughs> it's very successful. Your work, your work is full of life and it is full of, you don't feel sadness, you feel wonder, which I think is exactly the whole point is like you're wondering what their life could be or should have been. So I think it's, it's admirable to say the least. Thank you. And it is my way of protesting hate, of confronting the viewer to realize that this can happen again. Yes, and, and is happening. is happening. Is happening, and I think allowing your voice to shine through natural connections of 
mutually beneficial relationships could be where the conversation is leading to. It's not being confined to a movement or to a gallery or to a vocabulary. Right. But and it's allowing you what your heart needs and set, wants and to be fully realized through mutually beneficial parties, which I think is a wonderful platform to navigate through. In your time as a exhibiting painter, I mean, the world has changed so much with just galleries, but how has social media and the internet changed the conversation through your long career, or a career that has at least seen the evolution of Instagram and social media through no Instagram, no social media, no real right. cell phones, to artists that are fully exhibiting through the platform of Instagram. I have, you know, not a huge following, but enough people that I feel like I'm able to reach out and show quite a variety of people what I'm working on, and I get responses from all over about how the work moves them, they're touched by it, they, um, they follow along on my journey. And that's wonderful. And I know there, there are Instagram artists who are very savvy and have figured out how to use the platform to really blow up and to have huge profitable careers strictly through social media. Are they generally younger artists? I'm not sure. I probably, but there are some some huge superstars that are not that young. Yeah. I think in their early mid forties. Yeah, I think I think I mean of course there is. But they've learned how to play the game. Yeah, and it's on the one hand, is it not valid because it's become a business that it's hugely successful? Or is it empowering that the artist is determining their own career and not at the mercy of galleries and dealers uh, and dealers, collectors? Uh, yeah. Yeah, really giving a full advantage to their voice and how they want to use it, whether right. it's. And, and industry driven or not. And I was thinking the other day about how I remember when QVC first came on television. And I was like, who wants to watch a show of shopping and of, you know, other people? And people would call in and talk about the product. And, and then I thought about it, and it's really people want to connect. And if you're sitting on your couch in the middle of, I don't know, the country, wide open space, and there's someone, you're, you're creating a community that yeah. didn't exist. You're creating a connection with a person. And, and I think some artists have the ability to create that kind of community, that, that virtual world where they're connecting with people that want to be a part of what they're doing. Do you think they're more talking to themselves? They're de they definitely have self-promotion down to a very skilled... I wonder room. if the shared dialogue has been fragmented 
because it's so easy to talk to yourself and to be reflected back at the projection of what you want to see and hear over and over again, that it's kind of this cyclical cycle of just consumption. Right. Which is muddying consumerism, whether that's consuming art or consuming visual imagery or, I don't know, it's a fine line. It's a fine line between well, they did a study I was reading about, which is very scary, that of education. And I think it was a global study. And American students, high school students, scored extremely low in this one area of determining fact from fiction. And hmm. they or fact from opinion. Oh. And so imagine not being able to determine if something is a stated fact. This exists and this happened from, you know, a complete fabrication. American scored significantly lower, like a lot lower than scary. Um, and you think of the social ramifications of that, of a whole population that can't determine. Makes you think of preoccupied Germany, right? Which and is... <laughs> and it spills over into yeah. something like if you don't have a way of analyzing things. You can be told anything is good. Yeah, and not have it, just not be able to dis- distinguish anything. Right. Which is scary. Um, well, moving- if so-and-so says this is great art, it must be great art. Yeah, exactly, not being able to have enough information right. built on some form of And not of having truth. the skills to yeah. process. Yeah, definitely. And I think with the lack of cohesive shared vocabulary of the contemporary art world now coming from a place of knowing and truths is it important to bridge your influences from the past into the future huh that's a good question i came up kind of through i don't want to say pop art but definitely i was lumped in for many years with the pop surrealists, Mm. which was primarily Los Angeles based. And I showed- Were you living in LA? No, no, I was here, but I was showing, I was showing at OK Harris that also was at the forefront of pop art early on. And I was a couple decades after pop art, um, but kind of using pop cultural icons in my work as a way of describing culture, particularly female identity within cultural constructs. So the, the whole pop surrealism, new contemporary art movement is kind of what I would have been categorized into. Were you which, paying tribute to just the cultural icons or the people that originally source cultural icons as a way of identifying culture? Yeah, I guess definitely influenced by Rauschenberg, Lichtenstein. With so much information, how do you choose what to reference when all the information is immediate and oversaturated? 
I get overwhelmed really mm -hmm. easily. And left to no self-discipline, I could spend all my time looking at other people's work going, oh, what could I, uh, how do I fit in? What a, but that leads me down a rabbit hole <laughs> that has no exit. So basically, I have to shut it out and come into the studio and hear my own voice. My, at this point, I am kind of set in my ways in terms of how I draw, how I paint, how I represent. I have a routine. developed language of skills. I mean, I'm always trying to improve and get better and better, but I'm kind of, you know, this is, this is what I do, this is how I, you know. So I have my process and my, my thought, my, my own allegories, my own resources of internal inspiration. Where do you see the art world going? I know that's a big question and you might not have an opinion on it, but. Um, I definitely think that there are more financially surviving artists now than ever before. And I think it's due in large part to kind of a decentralization of the art. Like there are a lot of regional markets, people yeah. who are, are successful in their community. And, and now with social media, they can reach their own, create their own community. You know, I'll go wherever, some small town somewhere or something, and, and there are galleries with, you know, local artists who are finding ways of making it. And I think aspirations are different. A lot of people just want to do their work and they're not looking to the big art world. They're not looking for the global success. They're looking just for the success of sustaining. Yeah, of being able to do it. Yeah, I mean, that has a ton of merit to be able to craft your life. Right. What do you think art is? Or what is art? For me personally, it's, it's not a choice. It's what I do because I have to do it. I just don't. So art uh, is a sensation? It's, no, for me, it's the need to tell my thoughts, my stories, my, you know, a lot of times I feel like I'm the Edvard Munch painting, <laughs> running around with my hair on fire, screaming, and it's my way of dealing with what, whatever's causing Being in a collective right. world. <laughs> right. And, and hopefully with what I need to tell, I can touch people mm -hmm. who want to hear it mm -hmm. or appreciate seeing it. Um, where do you think artists will go when they can't afford to go anywhere else? Because New York has been the epicenter of the art world, but New York is fairly saturated. That kind of brings us to Mana, is why a lot of artists are coming to Jersey City. Right. Um, and I think it's 
the endless story of artists finding the affordable places and making their world there, and then everyone sees, oh, that they're so cool, I want to, and you know, the capital follows the artists, and then right? the artists have to find the new. New capital. The, yeah, yeah. and the this new. is why, I mean, why should people care about art? And I think it is this constant, it's what came first, the chicken or the egg. Right, right. I think people do crave art. Yeah. They, um, whether they, whether they know it have a good sense of what they're looking for or there's affordable, accessible yeah. art all over the place. Yeah, I'm just, not concerned is not the right word, I guess. I've been thinking about how many artists there are and how the depth of the artist doesn't have to be as deep anymore, if that makes sense. We don't have to fight for a lifestyle that's already been established. We can kind of inherit this bohemian lifestyle without scraping all of our edges. Because it's a little more socially acceptable to be a flair of bohemian <laughs> or, you know, not, not a bohemian in the sense of the artists that founded the village in New York City, of really breaking a mold, right. of starving artists into and sustainable And also there artists. aren't the same frontiers. No. There, I mean, New York City, I don't know where there are frontiers to inhabit. Mm -hmm. outside of the city so people yeah. find and then I think given the need people find the way definitely there was a time when there really were art centers and and, and that exists New York is an yeah. art center I don't know how true that is at now most yeah. artists can't afford to live in New York unless, you know, you've been there a while. Unless you're a Trustafarian. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, or London or, or yeah. whatever, but... Um, Absolutely. But I mean, there are a lot of artists. There's a lot so of artists. They're just not all in one spot. Do you think there's a merit to an in-person dialogue oh, between absolutely. artists? Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We are also in a very live... Our, artist space, so we're going to hear a lot of so yes. sounds. We are on studios, on studios, on studios. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> like this, yeah. All right, Lauren, do you have anything else to add? No, I don't think so. Okay. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. It's been real. I'm yeah. Sid Williams. This is Tip and Tell, and I'm here with Ian Eckstein on sound. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. <laughs>